Hey, y'all. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this installment of Go South, Old Man, a somewhat weekly podcast where a northern-born southerner explores some of the lesser-known things in and around the southeastern United States. Well, a common phrase we hear today is 15 minutes of fame where a relatively unknown person or place is suddenly thrust into the spotlight, only to shortly fall back into obscurity. In this episode, I'm going to waste a few of your valuable time pontificating on just such a time and place. It's mid-June, 1864. Union Army, under General William Tecumseh Sherman, had fought its way towards Atlanta from Chattanooga, a hundred miles to the north. The Confederate Army had put up a stout but flagging defense, and they were now entrenched in yet another defensive line about 40 miles northwest of Atlanta. But the Confederates here currently had a dilemma. See, their defensive line ran just south of Pine Mountain, but this little knob gave them the critical high ground so it needed to be held. But holding it meant there was a dangerous and vulnerable bulge. This fact was not lost on General Sherman, and he ordered the mountain to be shelled with cannon and then taken. Now, observing the Union Army activities from the summit were Confederate Generals Johnston, Hardy, and Lieutenant General Leonidas Polk. An aide had warned them that they should move to a safer place as the shelling began. But for some reason, Polk seemed to be distracted and was slow to respond. It was literally a mortal mistake, for he was hit by cannon fire, dying almost instantly. He had been a bishop in the Protestant Episcopal Church before the war, and so was known as the Fighting Bishop. Popular among his soldiers, his death was a blow to their morale. Ironically, Pine Mountain would be abandoned the next day, and the troops pulled back to a spot where two roads met at the small Gilgal Baptist Church. Its 15 minutes of fame was about to come to this unremarkable community known simply as Due West. General Sherman, getting reports that the rebel defenses were weak here, ordered a strong, well-appointed column of attack. But, unknown to him, the line was held by, in my humble opinion, the most underrated general in the entire Civil War, one Patrick Claiborne. Claiborne had been born in Ireland and served in the British Army before immigrating to the U.S. just before the war, ending up in Arkansas. He had risen quickly in rank during the war and had won a number of battles against the same men he was now facing. He actually should have been one of the leading generals in the Confederate Army by this time. However, Claiborne had voiced his opinion that the only way the South could solve its lack of manpower was to arm the slaves in return promising them freedom if they served the full enlistment. And, of course, the South won. This would show that the war, as far as the South was concerned, 
was not all about slavery. Plus, it would give them a strong, vast number of recruits eager to fight for their freedom. Uh, this idea was, let's just say, not received well by his superiors, and he was then blacklisted. Though he was called the Stonewall of the West, and Robert E. Lee even referred to him as, quote, a meteor shining in a clouded sky, he never was given the credit, respect, or fame of his peers. Now, the man Sherman sent against Claiborne was General Daniel Butterfield. Butterfield was a veteran and a good soldier, but he would later become most famous as the composer for the army tune Taps, still used to mark the end of the day on most U.S. Army bases, as well as traditionally played at military funerals. Some also think that it was Butterfield who came up with the idea possibly right here at this time, that since it was a foregone conclusion that Atlanta would eventually fall, bringing an end to the campaign, they might as well just keep on going and, quote, march to the sea. Well, whether it was Butterfield or Sherman who came up with the idea remains a matter of some dispute. Under Butterfield's command, also here, was a future U.S. president, one Colonel Benjamin Harrison of Indiana, and he would lead one of the Union's main attacks. Now, as his Hoosiers neared the rebel line, Harrison commanded his regiment to fix bayonets and said, quote, Men, the enemy's works are just ahead of us, but we will go right over them. Well, this wasn't the first or last time a U.S. president was wrong. Because as they charged forward with a mighty yell, they soon were hit with a terrific volley of fire, pinning them down. Still, they almost succeeded, except in the middle of the battle, the Confederates tore down the entire log church and used it to strengthen their barricade. Harrison's men got up and tried to push forward again, and they got close but then they were hit by Claiborne's rifle and cannon fire, stalling the attack and forcing them to dig in for the night. Though fighting resumed the next day, the Confederate line further to the west was folding, and so the whole rebel army was pulled back to form yet another supposedly more secure defensive line a mile or so further southeast. And the armies then moved on, and the Battle of Gilgal Church was over. A month later, the Atlanta campaign came to an end as that city fell. Sherman would continue and march to the sea, reaching Savannah, cutting a trail of destruction through the state of Georgia. Five months later, Major General Patrick Claiborne and five other Confederate generals were killed at the Battle of Franklin, Tennessee. Daniel Butterfield would receive the Medal of Honor and serve as President Grant's Assistant Treasurer of the United States, and he would be buried at West Point, New York. Colonel Benjamin Harrison would serve in the United States Senate in the 1880s, where he championed Native Americans, homesteaders, and Civil War veterans. And then he became the 23rd President of the United States in 1889. However, 
none of them would ever return here to due west. The small primitive Baptist log church was never rebuilt. Today, if you search diligently, you can find a monument to General Polk on Pine Mountain. Tradition says it's on the exact spot that he was hit and died. And every year, the Sons of Confederate Veterans holds a ceremony here on the anniversary of his death. Further south from there a little bit, at a pull-off on Due West Road, you can see a small monument and an example of how these Confederates used the logs from the church to bolster the defensive line almost 160 years ago. But thousands of people pass by here every day, not knowing there was a time when great armies, men, and a future U.S. president fought here. Uh, as a, and so, until next time, thanks for listening and stay curious.